The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday, February the 2nd, 2022, 2022. Lots of twos out there. Uh, and whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you for tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. I know that you have uh, options of where to get your sports news, information, entertainment, and opinions, and I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show as we try to keep it uh, try to keep it live, local. Well, we always keep it live, uh, but local, and uh, try to keep you informed as what's uh, what's going on in the world of sports, not just nationally but locally as well. With uh, Arizona, of course, and you know we talked about uh, Jacob uh, Kangaika, who is a walk on, a three star walk on for Arizona, who played uh, defensive tackle for the national champion at Modern Day uh, last year or this this past season and is deciding to walk on at Arizona. Didn't have the offers that he that he really wanted and is going to be walking on as a three-star. And that's kind of where Arizona football is right now, which is absolutely amazing um, that Arizona is getting three-star walk-ons. And we're not having to you know, give scholarships out to these types of players yet. And it sounds like, looks like he's the type of player that will earn one eventually. Big kid, big, strong kid, 6'3", 290, just you know, he's in that he's in that modern day uh, conditioning and weight program, and it's just you you see the kids coming out of these programs like I uh, like uh, uh, like IMG Academy, uh, modern day. I mean, you know the the, the big ones, um, and uh, they look they just look different. Like you know, it's it, it, there's a, there's a difference. You know, it's funny. Speaking of of conditioning, if I could just step you know make an aside here just quickly before we move on to some other things. You know, Chris Rounds, who is the strength and conditioning coach for Arizona basketball, does just remarkable work. I mean, it's it's like magic, honestly. Like the transformations of players that I've seen, because working with the program for as long as I have and, and being able to be behind the scenes with them, traveling with the team for a few years like I did, you get to see things, talk to people and stuff. And, and Chris Rounds, very approachable guy, great guy. And I get to see what a recruit looks like in their – senior season at high school when they come to visit Arizona and things like that. And you're like, that's the kid from, you know, this place, or that's the, that's the kid from this place, or there's, you know, so-and-so. And I remember like, just for instance, like the first time I saw Lowry Markkinen and they're like, that's the kid from Finland. I'm like, that's the, the all European player right there. Lowry Markkinen. That's, that's what we're bringing in. That kid looks like a wet noodle. I mean, I was like, man, that kid's got a lot of work to do before he plays some college basketball. And then five months later, I see Lowry on campus, and I'm like, who, who is this guy? Like, the shoulders. and I mean, he had gone through a complete transformation. And, you know, you talk to Chris Rounds about it, and it's like, you know, how, how did you, you know, how did you work that magic? He says, you know, he's got a great family. They were able to, to use the program that I sent them, you know, in Finland. They got one of the top uh, strength and conditioning guys over there to, you know, to work out with him, and they, we were able to put him on our program, and, you know, he's paid dividends. And it's interesting to see players who have left Arizona, have transferred away, and have come back to play. And I specifically talk about Terrell Brown. Now, Terrell Brown's leading the Pac-12 in scoring right now, largely because 
he don't give a rip about passing the ball to anybody in that Washington program, and they don't have anybody that can fill the bucket anyway. So it's Terrell Brown and then everybody else on that basketball team right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. He's just going to lead the conference in scoring just so it's going to happen. They're not a very good basketball team, but Terrell Brown's showing out. The first thing I noticed about TB when he showed up at McHale Center was how thinner he looked. Like he looked, I don't want to say sallow, um, but he just he didn't look he didn't look as strong, didn't look as thick, didn't look as powerful as he did in his time in the Arizona weight program. And I just it just kind of spoke out to me. I didn't want to like say anything, you know, publicly about it while he was there or anything. I just it just seemed to me like I was like because I you know I saw Terrell Brown a lot last year, obviously, and. He just looked like a different player. Like he, I, you know, I was like, man, Chris, <laughs> he's doing he's doing uh, uh, creation work over here, man. The way he transforms players and the way that they look and the way that they are, and and this is these are the things that are happening at the big programs in high school and and in college level. I mean, if you if you look at the most successful programs, not only at, again at the high school level but at the collegiate level, they've all got top tier strength and conditioning guys. They've got the best weight programs. They've got the best health and, and fitness programs and dietary programs. The, I mean, they, they're at the, the top of the list. Um, and Arizona football has been able to up their game with bringing in Tyler Owens. You know, T.O. coming over from Alabama, who has arguably the greatest strength and conditioning program in the country in, in regards to football. Um, you know, he comes from, from, that, from that school. And I have noticed a difference in Arizona players in just the one year with Tyler Owens. And, and it, it's easier to make a, a larger impression on a, on a 17- or an 18-year-old basketball player who was playing in a, in a system and a program that you know, a lot of basketball teams, they don't want their players to lift weights. And, and I think that's a big misnomer, um, that we don't want them to lift weights, we don't want them to be strong. Like, you know, watch the game of basketball. Like, you know, Steph Curry, I talk, I talk about this all the time. And here we go, I'm, I'm – <laughs> Start down the road. I'm like, I'm just going to go on a quick little aside here, and now we're going to make a full segment out of it. But, hey, hell with it. Um, Steph Curry, I talk about this all the time with people. I'm like, the, the, the most impressive thing about Steph Curry's game, and it's not his incredible shooting. And the, Dude, the other night he was disrespected, and uh, he went off on the, the Houston Rockets, which was, it was great. Anyway, the most impressive thing about Steph is his strength. You look at Steph – and, look, I've met Steph. I've been standing next to him. He's big. Like, he's thick. He's got big shoulders. He's got a rounded back. Like, he's, you know, he's got the traps going on. Like, he's got some thickness to him. He's got big forearms. Like, he's spent a lot of time in the weight room. And part of what makes Steph so great is he's able to take a beating at such a, a slight size because, he's a, you know, he's a smaller framed kind of guy to be able to take that beating and – that's what makes him so tough on defense, too. He's able to body guys up. Normally, a guy that's you know six one or six two and one hundred and eighty pounds would just get trucked by people. But Steph is able to stand up to these guys and muscle up with them. And I think that's the most important part of Steph's game. To be honest with you, you ask Steve Kerr, uh, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing um, that Steph is a lot stronger than people give him credit for. He is a strong dude, and it's so important. I think it's such a misnomer. To people, and I remember seeing Lowry. Just to make another example here, I saw Lowry when he was with the when he was with Chicago, and I talked to Chris Rounds about the Chicago Bulls. I'm like, hey, what's their strength and conditioning program like? He's like, they don't believe in lifting weights. They they don't want their guys lifting weights. And sure enough, 
went to the Bulls game when they were here for the, with the, the Phoenix Suns, saw Lowry, and he looked like he had lost 15 pounds of muscle and wasn't playing, you know, all that well. He was just kind of like out there just shooting threes and wasn't really as as aggressive and as strong as you'd like to see. Now that he's with Cleveland, Cleveland a little bit more uh, dependent on, you know, their strength and conditioning situation is where they want they want guys to lift weights. They want guys to be strong. He looks like Lowry Markin again, and he's playing a lot better. Um, it's it's just so important to have the right strength and conditioning guy. And where I'm going with this is that Arizona is getting high school players now that already buy into the strength and conditioning program that, that they're going to be employing here under T.O., under Tyler Owens. Guys that are coming from St. John Bosco, from Modern Day, from Servite, all have that same type of weight room mentality. They're starting to get into into Bishop Gorman, who has a very, very strong strength and conditioning program. They're going into Midland, Texas now uh, to get guys. You know, Bea Rasul and, and Chuck Cecil went and got a kid out of Midland um, over the weekend. I mean, it's big stuff. And they're going into Florida and getting at schools that believe in strict strength and conditioning. And you hear the best coaches in America. Uh, uh, who was it? I think it was Dabo Sweeney. I think was talking the other day. He was talking to some media, and you know he was like, "Okay, you know, you know our more, you know our goals here, and our you know, the things that we set for our players is we want them to achieve in the classroom, on the field, in the weight room." And he just you know throws it in there. It's just it's just second nature in the weight room. You hear uh, James Franklin at Penn State, and he was talking about you know we have a great tradition here at Penn State, not only in the classroom but on the field and in the weight room. And you consistently hear these things from these coaches at the collegiate level, guys who have won a lot of football games that have extremely highly respectable football programs, have gone to bowl games year in and year out, find their teams ranked year in and year out. And when you ask them about the successes of their team, the successes of their individual players, they will tell you classroom on the field, and they always throw in weight room, always. There's, it, it, you can, I mean, I'm telling you, you can tell the the great programs from the from the not so great programs by if their head coach in if just answering a just a simple question says we want guys to achieve in the weight room they just throw it in there it's, it's just it's just kind of like second nature to them to add that aspect of athletics into the conversation because it is so vitally important get in the weight room develop healthier workout habits get strong you know Bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, that's what we grew up on. If you if you played sports, you know, at, at you know high school, collegiate, JUCO, pro, whatever, it's BFS, man. It's all about BFS. Bigger, faster, stronger. That's 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 the whole goal to the thing. And if you get a, a, an entire crew that really buys into that, and somebody who is, I mean, Chris Rounds is innovative in, in the things that he's doing. Um, there's a reason Chris Rounds gets mentioned on the broadcast by Bill Walton over and over again because Bill Walton understands greatness. He's been around greatness his entire life. He gets it. That's why he mentions Chris Rounds. And Dave Pash even made a, a comment about it in the last game. He's like, well, it only took you two and a half minutes to match- mention Chris Rounds tonight. Th- that's an impact. Why, does, why is Arizona so successful? You know, I've had conversations with Sean Miller about this. What makes your program so successful? And Sean will talk about certain things. He'll say, you know, heritage and history, 
uh, legacy with Lute Olson. I mean, he would always harken back to the, the, the foundation that was laid before him. And every time, every single time, he would bring up Chris Rounds and Justin Kokoski. Because those are two guys behind the scenes that have such a huge, a huge impact on the program. And the fact that they've been there for so long and been doing it for so long, you know, Chris came with Sean Miller from Xavier. Justin Kokoski, J-Rock, had already been here. Been here through several head coaches. And has just been doing the best job in the country the entire time. And there's a reason why Arizona continues to do that. It's not, it's not always because we have a top five recruiting class. It's not because we have the best fans in the world or the best home court advantage in the country. It's because of things behind the scenes that we don't even realize are taking place most of the time. People that don't always get the credit of the people who are wearing a suit and tie or wearing a number on their back. It's so vitally important to have those guys in your program. And now Arizona football, you know, when, when Rich Rodriguez got here, he hired a, a, a great strength and conditioning coach, okay? A guy who had a remarkable, uh, you know, a remarkable resume who was here for one year, caused about 15 players to quit the team, which is fine. I consider that addition by subtraction. If you, want to, if you don't want to work hard, you don't need to be here. Okay? That's, that's just the way I look at it. And then he left the year after that because he was like, I, you know, I, I, I got to leave this. This, is, this isn't working for me. Jed Fish goes in and brings a guy who's hungry to get his first job, his first strength and conditioning you know, the, 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 be the man on campus. Because, you know, T.O. was an assistant at Alabama. Not just not a, not a just an assistant, but T.O. was an assistant in that program. You don't just ascend to greatness at the greatest program in the country right off the bat. you gotta, you got to build your resume. And what he's doing here at Arizona is, I'll tell you what, the transformation of these players, they look strong, man. Did you see uh, uh, Stanley Berryhill competing over the weekend? Yeah, he looked really good. <laughs> He was talked about on one of the national shows that I listened to uh, at how good he looked at the Senior Bowl practice. So lots of credit where credit is due, not only to Stanley and his family, but also to the staff here at Arizona for getting him to that next level. He is going to go to the next level. He will play on Sundays somewhere. Somebody will give him a shot. So just wanted to take a little time there to talk about that. I know we started – somewhere and just kind of went off. This is kind of what I do. I just kind of shoot from the hip. I don't, like, like when I prepare for a show, there are some shows where I prepare, I have pages and pages and pages of stuff that I prepared for that I never even get to. And there are times where I just pick a topic, something that's kind of eaten at me or whatever, or something I just want to get off my chest or some people that I want to acknowledge, and I just go with it. So hopefully y'all like that. Um, I have a lot of a lot of history and a lot of insight and and have uh, – talked with a lot of people over my time i just i find it important to talk to people like ask them questions like that's that's one thing that like i hate to keep bringing up sean miller on the show but you know sean and i spent quite a bit of time talking together we we just we would always find ourselves sitting at the same table or uh next to each other on you know uh some you know somewhere and we would just talk and the one thing about sean like people ask me like what what's one thing about sean miller that people wouldn't know sean asked more questions than anybody I've ever talked to in the world of sports. Like, he would constantly ask questions. He wanted to know more about you. He wanted to know where you're coming from. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think about this? He would just ask questions. 
Who do you think is the best basketball player in Arizona history? Who's the best shooter? Who would you who would be your starting five in Arizona's history of, of basketball players? He wants to know. He wants to talk about that kind of stuff. He would ask so many questions. I was like, dude, I'm sitting here. I, I want to ask you a million questions. And he's talking to me. Hey, he's asking me questions. He wants to know my opinion on stuff. That was one of the most, like, I don't want to say strange. It was just uh, an eye-opening situation. There. A guy that wants to continually learn about people. Probably why he is one of the world's best recruiters. Because he doesn't just go in and just start blah, blah. I do this, and I do that, and I've done this, and we, our, my team has done this, and here's my accolades, and here's my this and that. He asks questions. He wants to know people. He wants to get to learn about you. He wants to know what you're thinking. It's so important just to ask questions and listen. You know, I, I open my mouth and blab for a living. Like, that's what I do. That's what I do here in the mornings. I do it at night with my nighttime job. I don't spend a whole lot of time in my careers actually just listening to people. So in the time that I'm not working, I just like to listen. People are like, you're not talking very much. I'm like, no, trust me. I'm soaking this all in. This is all good. I'm having a great time just sitting here listening. <laughs> Sometimes we just need to, you know, zip it and, uh, and listen up. If you're missing football on Thursdays like me, you can still turn every Thursday into payday with NBA on TNT on FanDuel Sportsbook. I've been having a lot of fun betting the NBA, and you can too. That doesn't matter if you win or lose because every Thursday, FanDuel is giving all customers, all customers, $10 back every single Thursday. All you have to do is bet $10 or more on a same-game parlay on any NBA game that's on TNT. So make sure it has the little TNT logo on it there. You'll see it when you start betting on, th- on Thursday morning. It'll have to have the little TNT logo there, but that, that way you know that it's eligible for this promotion. The $10 same-game parlay promotion, it allows you to basically combine money lines, points, red player props, and all kinds of other stuff into one wager. There's plenty of different options, market options to play with. I like playing. The player props to me are so much fun. Like, you can play combined points and assists for, you know, a point guard. Chris Paul has been dealing this year in that aspect. It's been real nice to bet Chris Paul in games because he's been given some real friendly over-unders. You can root for your favorite players. If you're a Suns fan like me and you want to see DeAndre Ayton, you know, you know bet DeAndre Ayton to get a double-double and a Suns win, toss it on there. It's basically your chance to put a small bet down and win big. And it's the perfect way to turn that small bet into a big-time score. And win or lose, you're guaranteed to get your $10 back because every Thursday on TNT, the, the, uh, every better gets their $10 back, which is awesome. If you bet a same-game parlay, it's easy to use. Uh, you, can, you can register real easily. Just go to the app. Uh, you can do the register. If somebody sends you, uh, if one of your friends sends you their referral friend, you're both going to get 50 bucks, which is a great deal. And, of course, if you use my promo code, you can go ahead and enjoy the 56-1 to 1 odds on either team to win the Super Bowl also. You can throw down 5 bucks on the Super Bowl, and if that team wins, you get $280 cash. Cash. That is not site credit. It's cash in your pocket, brother. But yet he's my promo code Dean for that. That doesn't. This is not open to everybody. These are for new customers just with my promo code, so make sure you type that in uh, when you sign up. But everybody's going to get those TNT on Thursdays, uh, the, uh, the $10 back promotion for the same game parlay. So check into that exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Bonus is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. that expires in seven days. Max bonus is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More after this on the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. 
The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, it was the Phoenix Suns last night in front of a raucous crowd, a a playoff-type atmosphere in Phoenix, even though the Brooklyn Nets were playing without Kevin Durant, who has uh, an MCL sprain, nor were they with the services of LaMarcus Aldridge, their, uh, their elder power forward. But nonetheless... They brought their high-powered offense into the Valley of the Sun last night, a team that is uh, that has been near or at a top of the Eastern Conference all season long. And despite what the score would tell you, which is 121 to 111, Phoenix Suns worked that team last night. And I mean worked them. The Sun starters had themselves quite a game, outside of Jay Crowder, who was, you know, took a few – he was just taking some pot shot three-pointers, one of five from the field, hit one of them, hit the, the first one of the game, right? He opened the game with a three-pointer, and that was the only points he scored, three points the entire night, played 25 minutes. Um, it was the Sun starters and then Cam Johnson coming off the bench who was electric, four of eight from beyond the arc, 16 points off the bench. But it was uh, the big four, essentially, for um, for the Phoenix Suns last night with the addition of Mikel Bridges, who had a breakout game last night, 40 minutes, he was also assigned a very difficult uh, defensive task in trying to contain Kyrie Irving on many of the uh, many of the the possessions that the that the Nets had last night. Uh, did a pretty damn good job, if you uh, if you ask me. I thought uh, he, he did a, a real nice job on on Kyrie um, last night, as uh, you know he was trying to guard Kyrie and Harden both on you know alternating possessions and such. So uh, not a difficult task for him. He played forty minutes last night. Was ten of fourteen from the field. Had 27 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals, a block shot, and a partridge in a pear tree. Mikel Bridges was awesome last night. Also awesome last night, Devin Booker, 13 of 23 from the field, had six boards, 35 points for the All-Star snub. Chris Paul last night, another dub-dub for him, 20 points, 14 assists. I tell you, it's like taking candy from a baby. It has been so easy to <laughs> to win money with betting Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns this year, especially during this uh, 11-win uh, uh, streak that they're on right now. It has been I, – I, I can't even tell you how many tickets I've walked up, virtual tickets I've walked up to that virtual window and cashed in thanks to Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. It has been real nice. And the Suns got a little shot in the arm last night with the re uh, the the, you know, the reemergence of DeAndre Ayton, who had come off the uh, the injured list with a bad ankle. And he played 28 minutes last night. Five of seven from the field, was solid, had 12 points, six boards, um, diverted a lot of uh, shots, had a steal in the game, kind of, you could call it, call it a, a combo steal slash block shot uh, situation there. Looked a little shaky at times, had some turnover issues, uh, committed some fouls because he wasn't moving his feet well enough. They kind of, you know, went at him in several occasions, uh, trying to test that ankle on him, trying to test the rust a little bit. And there, he was a little rusty. But all in all, I thought he played extremely well um, for the Phoenix Suns in their return last night, had a few dunks, and uh, looked pretty good. So looking good to, uh, to, to get him back. The Suns now 41-9. They have extended their lead in the, uh, in the Western Conference, and this is the best record. I'm going to try to remember the, try to remember the statistic. The 41-9 record right now through 50 games is the best record the NBA has seen through 50 games. 
since the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors. So there you have it. (laughs) Phoenix Suns on an absolute roll. And it's not like they're just beating up on cupcakes, right? I mean, this was the New Jersey, or the, the, I still call them the New Jersey Nets. It's old habits, right? Now, the Brooklyn Nets fall to sixth place in the Eastern Conference based on that loss last night, 29-21. and 21. They're three games out of first place behind the Bulls, though, who continue to win despite the fact that they've lost half of their backcourt, which is amazing to me. <laughs> the Bulls just continue to win. What a great job being done there by Billy Donovan. Uh, you can't say enough about what he's doing with that basketball team. But the Phoenix Suns, 41-9, and a commanding lead. They get a three-game lead over the Golden State Warriors, a seven-and-a-half game lead over the third-place Memphis Grizzlies. And if you look way down the list there in ninth place at 24-27, and you'll see the Los Angeles Lakers, who are not going to make the playoffs this year, who I predicted would not make the playoffs this year. And things are going south for them. They've lost three in a row, and they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And they probably should because – what they've done decision-wise in putting together that roster has been an affront to uh, to Laker fans, and I don't even like I don't feel sorry for Laker fans, not in the least bit. But man, putting the way that putting that team together the way that that uh, that organization did, it's a joke. I can't believe anybody thought that team was going to win games this year. I really, I, I, it, it's silly to me. <laughs> I still, I, I'm not the most you know, savvy basketball expert in the world. NBA is not even my number one sport uh, that I follow, but it doesn't take a genius to realize that that collection of players was not going to work, certainly not in the first year. So, And I don't think it's going to work next year either because that means they're a year older and just one step closer to uh, to the old folks' home. But the Phoenix Suns right now, again, uh, leading the, I think they're the top scoring team. Maybe Utah, maybe he's got them by a little bit. Top scoring team in the Western Conference. One of the best scoring teams in the NBA. Um, and they're just rolling right now. Winners of 11 in a row. They're feeling it and uh, looking forward to more. And, of course, you can hear more of your Phoenix Suns right here on uh, on ESPN 1490. The uh, Phoenix Suns going to be in action again. They're taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Suns going on the road now. Um, they're going to be on the road for a little bit. They're taking on the Atlanta Hawks. You can hear that here uh, Thursday night. We're going to join that game in progress immediately following the Spears and Ali show, so we'll pick it up at 6 o'clock in progress there. And then over the weekend, they're going to be playing the Wiz. And then Monday, they head to Chicago, and followed by Philly. So going to be a, a good run for the Suns here on the road, playing some good teams, some teams that were in the playoffs last year. So good test for the Suns to get on the road now and uh, flex their muscles a little bit and show the Eastern Conference what they're all about. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, don't forget we've still got those basketball tickets to go see women's uh, Arizona women's basketball take on Oregon State on uh, Sunday. We're going to be doing that sometime in the next 20 minutes. Uh, we're going to be giving those away. And we'll talk about Brian Flores and his a lawsuit against the NFL. We'll talk about everything that's involved in that and what his chances of success are next right here on the Jeff Dean show. The Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos. Desert diamond is true. Tucson back to the Jeff Dean show on 1490 AM 1049 FM ESPN Tucson. All right. I have instructed Mary to be ready as it is time to get a caller for those women's basketball tickets. University of Arizona women's team taking on Oregon State this Sunday at the McHale Center for a noon tip-off. We've got a pair of tickets to give away right now to caller number two on this Tuesday, or not Tuesday, Tuesday's coming up, this February the 2nd, 2022. 
Be caller number two at 520-719-1490. That's 719-1490. Caller number two will get two tickets to go see the women's basketball team take on Oregon State this Sunday at the McHale Center for a noon tip-off here on this second day of the second month of the 22nd year of the 21st century. Speed caller number two at 520-719-1490. Good luck and enjoy the game. All right. This is a topic that is really being hammered home today on all of the, I'm sure all the media outlets are talking about this today. The media outlets were talking about it yesterday. As Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, has slapped the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the NFL with a lawsuit. Oh, and the Denver Broncos, too. And the Denver Broncos and the NFL with a lawsuit, with a, with a civil rights lawsuit alleging that um, the, the NFL, these, these teams, have been uh, conspiring against hiring black head coaches. Okay? Now, here is what – I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of legal jargon, okay? He's, he, he's seeking a class action suit. The action uh, has to be certified by a court today in order to be that – in order for it to be a class action lawsuit, basically, where other people can start to chime in and offer their evidence and also uh, be paid out should the, uh, should the plaintiffs come out victorious. I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of legal jargon, but that's where we're at today. It's not a class action suit let, yet until the court certifies it as such. Here's what I can tell you. There was a text message, and this is kind of the, I, I don't want to call it a smoking gun, okay, because you don't need a smoking gun in this particular instance to realize that there's something going on. But essentially, this is what Brian Flores is, is going to begin his, uh, his pursuit of this lawsuit with. A text message that he received from Bill Belichick. He had a, a back and forth. Brian Flores, former assistant in New England. That's how he got the job in Miami to begin with, uh, as Bill Belichick's assistants continue to get jobs in the NFL. He was, you know, basically received a uh, text message from Bill Belichick, and it basically said, uh, and I don't have the text message in front of me. I saw them. I read them earlier. It just basically said, congratulations on landing the job. And he was like, Brian Flores responds like, did you hear something that I didn't? And Belichick responds with, hello, NYG, exclamation, exclamation, question, question, exclamation. I mean, all kinds of, of uh, punctuation marks. And Brian Flores is like, I haven't interviewed with them yet. I interview with them on Thursday. And Belichick, there's a pause, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, uh, I, I screwed up. I didn't screw He says, I, I bleeped up. Um, basically what happened is Belichick thought he was talking to the other Brian, who was a former assistant of his, Brian Dayball, who is the offensive coordinator, was the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, now the head coach of the New York Giants. Now, some of you may you know write this off as, Oh, it was just a you know seventy year old guy not understanding who he's texting, and yes, that's exactly what it was. It was a seventy year old man not knowing who he was texting. It saw the wrong Brian on his on his phone and decided to send a congratulations to Brian Flores instead of Brian Dable. Here is the issue at hand. The problem with this is is that apparently. Bill Belichick and other people knew that Dable was getting the job before Brian Flores even interviewed for it. He had an in-person interview with the Giants on Thursday. The Giants 
obviously wanting to be compliant with the NFL's Rooney Rule that was instituted back in 2003, needed to have an in-person interview with a candidate of color, okay? Whether it be you know, a black, Hispanic, whatever have you, um, any other type of minority that is considered under the, uh, under the umbrella of the Rooney Rule, needs to have an in-person interview with the team when they're interviewing uh, potential candidates for a head coach. So, <laughs> Brian Flores goes into this interview full well knowing that Brian Dayball has already gotten the job, knowing that he's sitting there in front of a group of guys who are interviewing him that have no intention of hiring him. This is where the problem lies. And the problem, look, the, the problem extends a lot further above than where I'm going to discuss. But today, and just for this portion of this segment, I'm going to talk about the idiocy of the Rooney Rule. And I don't think... Look, it's it's not a bad rule. I don't I don't have any problem with the rule itself. The problem is that there is a Rooney rule. That's the issue at hand here. The issue is is that we have we have to have a a rule in place that keeps the owners in line and you know, it's basically forcing them to interview minority coaches, minority candidates for a head coaching job. And that's not the actual issue here, okay? I don't have a problem with that. You you should keep people accountable. You should be making sure that the practices of your business are being conducted in fair and equal ways. Here's the real issue with the Rooney Rule. It gives every single one of these franchises, the 31 owners and then the collective ownership of the Green Bay Packers, it gives them an out. It gives them the. It basically gives them something on paper that they say that they can that they follow the rules by, and it leaves them free of litigation because they say no, no, we followed, we adhered to the rules that are in the NFL and our hiring practices. We interviewed two candidates of minority descent. One of them was in person. We followed everything to the letter of the law. We decided not to choose that candidate. We decided to choose a candidate that was better for our system and our program and our way of thinking. They can wash their hands and walk away from it because they followed the rules. And that's really, that. therein lies the, the, the real problem because they're allowed to be able to have this rule essentially protecting them. It's not doing any good for the minorities that are trying to uh, that are trying to apply for these jobs. It's not doing them any good at all. <laughs> the The benefit is to the owners who are now using this thing to their advantage to say, nope, we followed this rule and we cannot be, uh, we can't be sued because of it. That's the issue. And this rule was, was, listen, <laughs> I saw it coming from a mile away, but the rule was instituted in good faith. It really was. And, and, it was important at the time to have a rule like this because there was and still are issues in the NFL with having minorities ascend to the head coaching level. The the issue is is that we all know what's going to happen. These owners, I mean and, and look, the same thing happens in Major League Baseball, same thing happens in the NBA, same thing happens in the NHL. Owners find ways to get around things. They try to, you know, they find ways to manipulate the rules to 
you know, to appease their way of life, to do things the way that they want to do things. It's the, it's, it's the reason why they're billionaires. They've been doing this their entire lives. They've been able to be successful and, and hang on to that money, that billions and billions of dollars, and turn, you know, a million dollars into $10 million, $10 million into $100 million, $100 million into a billion, billion into $2 billion. They've done it because they've been able to manipulate systems here and there. Very few of them have done things, uh, you know, the 100% morally standard way. Okay, I think we can all I think we can all agree on that. So the issue here is that look, this is this is going to fall very poorly on Roger Goodell and the NFL when, in actuality, it has nothing to do with them. This is all about the owners. The NFL has done as much as they possibly could. Outside of saying, basically saying, which which would be illegal, forcing teams to hire a minority coach to reach a minimum amount of coaches. If you have thirty-two teams, if they said, you know, we one quarter of them have to be of minority descent, so we need to have eight black head coaches or Hispanic head coaches or Asian head coaches, whatever have you, in in the you know in those positions, and if we have. Six currently with four openings. Two of the teams have to hire a minority coach. That would be illegal. Can't do that. Okay. So the NFL says you got to at least bring them in and interview them because these guys have, you know, they have something to say. They've, they've earned the right to interview. They've played in the league. They've spent their time coaching. They've spent their time in the, in the film rooms, in the trenches, so to speak, in the, the coaching trenches and have earned themselves the right to interview. And, they're getting the interviews. However, the owners have already made their decisions on where they're going to go. And according to this lawsuit that has been uh, you know, put out there by Brian Flores, they're always choosing the white guy. And look around the league. That's exactly what's happening. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't support the, the hyperbole, if you will, or the parallels in you know in the in his complaint in his two page complaint to the NFL, he says the NFL is is managed like a plantation. Look, if you think that players who are playing for millions of dollars choosing to do so, they don't have to do this. Okay, you, you know the, every every player in that league has a choice of whether they want to play in the NFL or not, and then they show up and get contractually paid money in the forms of, well, a league minimum with 385000 I think, right now. Anywhere from 385000 to $35 million a year to play the game. Plantations were nothing like that. It was like they put some people in chains on a boat in Africa, shipped them up to North America, and then the white people in North America said, I'll take three of them and hauled you off to a farm to work on their farm, whatever it be, for nothing. It wasn't your choice. You were forced to do so. So drawing the parallels to plantation is is getting out of bounds, in my opinion, on the term of what Brian Flores alleges in his letter. His letter was very uh, overt in its way of, of, of uh comparing the NFL to a plantation. It's nothing like that, okay? Yeah, you can say, oh, 70% of the workforce is black. That is correct. That is absolutely correct. 70% of the workforce in the NFL is black. That only one head coach has ascended currently at this, at this time. Brian Ford is still up for two jobs. <laughs> he's, st- he's still going to interview for the New Orleans job and for the um, 
Uh, I can't remember what the other job is he's going to interview for, but the the New Orleans job. I think I think the New Orleans job is his if he wants it. Of course, it's probably not going to be anymore unless New Orleans says we stand with you, we believe in you, and regardless of this lawsuit that you have, we're going to hire you. And they would not be out of bounds for hiring uh, Brian Flores. This is not going to blackball. People think that this is going to blackball Brian Flores from the NFL. I think it's going to do the opposite. I think it's going to get him a job because there are teams out there that want to stand for the right and morale uh, of of you know civil rights and things like that and wanting to be on the right side of segregation. And I think the New Orleans Saints are the perfect team to do that. And I think the job is his if he wants it. He's a, he's a defensive-minded guy. They've got a great defense. They're going to be rebuilding the offense. Let him do that. This is not going to blackball him in any way. But make no mistake, this is not a plantation type of organization, the NFL. Try not to belittle the people who went through that era of this horrible time in America by saying that guys who are driving around in Ferraris and Lamborghinis are treated like slaves. Can't do it. That's just, that's just wrong. You cannot draw that parallel. Congratulations to D'Angelo Riley Holman, who was the winner of our women's basketball tickets. We're going to have more for you guys tomorrow, so be on the lookout for those as that game is Friday night, uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday. Well, i got all kinds of games in front of me. Sunday against Oregon State. We'll have more tickets for you to win tomorrow. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Final segment today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Man, that went fast. Guess we'll have to carry some things over to tomorrow. Tomorrow we will have a great show planned for you. We will preview the Wildcats and the, the Bruins. That's Wildcats Bruins Part 2 as uh, I'll be heading down to Tucson tomorrow night to the McHale Center. Hope you guys are all there, ready to cheer on your Wildcat team. They, they had a tough-fought win over the Sun Devils over the weekend. Didn't get a chance to talk about that on Monday. The shooting woes have seemed to carry over a little bit. Uh, based on what head coach Tommy Lloyd said, they're tired. They just And they look that way. The shots that I saw going up at the McHale Center, they were open shots. They were completely inconsistent, though. Completely inconsistent in their release points, their the the strength, the depth of the shot, the elevation with which they were taking the jump shot. A lot of them were taken flat-footed. And the ability to play above the rim just wasn't there. And they lacked the energy and the gas, essentially, to be able to beat the Sun Devils the way that they should have. And the Sun Devils shot the lights out. Credit to them. Like they, That's the best shooting game they've had all year. Of course, it always... <laughs> Why do teams always have their best game of the year against Arizona? It's not because Arizona doesn't play defense, because those teams are up for it. It happens every year in the Pac-12. It doesn't matter how good Oregon is, how good UCLA is, USC, whomever. It doesn't matter. Stanford, doesn't matter. When Arizona's in the building, those players elevate their game, period. Always happens. It doesn't happen that way for UCLA. It doesn't happen that way for any other team in this league. I cannot understand. I mean, I get it, Arizona's history, but it's not like they're – it's not like this is the West Coast Conference when you, all you do is have to you know, get up for Gonzaga every year and then you can just beat up on Pacific, actually, who beat BYU the other night. 
you know, Santa Clara, Pepperdine, stuff like that. You just, you know, you know whatever. We just, we got to get up for, for Gonzaga, and that's it. There's other quality, quality programs and have been quality programs for a long time in this league. But it seems like, I swear to God, every time a team plays Arizona, they play their, their, play their tails off, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's amazing Arizona wins as many games as they do every single year. So the Bruins come to town. It's revenge time. Uh, handed the Wildcats their worst loss of the season, and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to end by saying this. Brian Flores is not going to win this lawsuit that he's levied against the NFL. He just doesn't have enough proof, at least from what I gather. He doesn't have enough proof, and more, more proof will come out. NFL has way too many lawyers on their side, and they have Title VII on their side. It's, it's going to be a little bit of a mess. But I applaud Brian Flores for bringing it forward, and I hope other teams start to take this to heart and start genuinely looking at black head coaches, other minorities for head coaching positions in the NFL. It's just the growth of the nation, and the NFL can be a leader in that, if they so choose. We'll talk more about this, though, in the days and weeks to come. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for all her hard work keeping me on the air today, and of course, thanks to you guys. Stay tuned for Spears Not League today from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD for Tucson.